0: La la la
1: What's up, podcast land? Oh, let me tell you, it feels so good to be back. Uh, I'm Jay Miller. This is the Productivity in Tech podcast, and I'm calling this 2.0. And it's not 2.0 because it's different. It's a little different, but it's not so different that it deserves a 2.0. It's a 2.0 because the mindset has changed. The mentality has changed. A lot of the things that you enjoyed about Pitt are still there, but at the same time, the people that are running it, the people that are doing things, the things that we're actually doing, have all changed, uh, and including this podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit before we jump into our conversation with Trey Island, and oh my goodness, it just feels so good. For those that don't know, last year we we sunset the podcast because of some some mental health issues some business plans a, a lot of different things and i mean i can tell you it was it was definitely a dark time uh, i wound up changing my day job and in that i also was trying to in that i was i was also trying to change the business Mindset of the productivity in tech brand as a whole, and I kind of lost my way. But I'm I'm happy to report that I'm back now. I'm better than ever, and I'm doing a lot of great things in my personal life and my professional life. And a lot of it came from having the support of great people in the Pit community. And this isn't going to be a shameless plug for the Pit community because I do that enough in the conversations as they are, but This first conversation that I had to bring us back, it was important to me that I had someone from the community that was doing amazing things, and even while I was struggling in in my own issues, they were out pushing and hustling and, and, and just getting things done and doing it in a way that I was able to look up to and get some inspiration from. So that's why I had this cat, Trey Island, great friend of mine. Uh, the first time I've ever had a former roommate on the show and and I say roommate lightly we, we shared in a uh, hotel room once uh, at a conference but it, w- it was great getting to know this this cat for the last couple years and I am so excited that he is the first guest on this and I could talk about you know the newsletter I could talk about the business the other business the other podcasts that I'm doing now. I will talk about all of those later on in this podcast, but I want to jump right into it. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Dr. Trey Island Thunder, the great Trey Master, and all of those names have been used before by him or by me, but this is my conversation with Trey Island. I'm sitting here with Trey Island. Trey, how are you doing today? Oh, Jay, I'm doing good. Thank you. Much appreciate you for having me on to the podcast today, man. Absolutely. This is a day of firsts. This is the uh, the first episode recorded since a, a long hiatus, so it's good to be back. And uh, let's see some of the other firsts. This is probably the first time I've had someone who I've actually had to share a hotel room with, uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, for those that don't know, Trey, Trey is a software security analyst, and when he is not coding to make his company's you know business safer, he is also a live streamer uh, doing the Wrestle with Tech uh, productions, and I've seen a lot of those videos. A lot of it's a wide variety of things that we'll we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes. But. Yes probably the the i would say maybe the one and only like i mean i've had like i've had acrobats on here um i've had like yogis on here i have never had a professional wrestler on the podcast until today so this <laughs> is this is uh what's i forgot what the wrestling name is it's uh
0: oh god oh well right well right now it's dr trey going dr. with dr that. trey it did start off as uh, like Island Thunder, play off my last name. So it's always like an evolution. You kind of feel like what's what's currently going on with your character. So right now, Doctor Trey, it is
1: Doctor Trey, like like Doctor Dre. I I get it. Okay, yeah, I, I love puns. <laughs> I, I can tell, and I, I think that's that is something that's cool. So we're gonna break down all of those things, but let's let's start with the day job, the software security analyst. Like how how did you get into that gig? Sure. No problem. So,
0: um, yeah. So, originally, I was actually living in Georgia. It was around 2012. I was still in uh, college at the time, Macon State College. I believe yeah, it's changed. Yeah. To
1: the-
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I class forget. Yeah, you
1: know, dropout g- class, class of 2007. G- what?
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old stopping grounds. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I was uh, actually working for tech support at the time, going to school, as well as being a IT tutor. Um, the stars just kind of aligned, and an opportunity opened up at Robbins Air Force Base, and they needed to fill a contract position, so they needed to bring in bodies. And it just so happened, uh, I was available that day, came in for the interview, got hired the next day, and my career started as a developer, actually. So I did .NET, Java development on the base, working on websites, and I did that for about a year. Um, I did enjoy it. We had a really good, solid team. But, you know, as you're doing things, you start to know your own worth. And for one, I did know I was being highly underpaid and I'm not even going to talk about how the contract was. The contract was terrible, (laughs) but the Air Force started to really start to use or understand that we needed to lock down our applications more uh, securely using other tools. In this case, it was HP Fortify. Not sure if you've heard about that. But it was, it's one of the many software security and, and, uh, analysis tools. It does DAST and SAS, so static and dynamic. And I just wanted to know more about that side of the house. So I knew how to make websites. I knew how to use JavaScript, JSON. I knew all that stuff. Not to say that I was an expert, but I kind of—you know, I knew enough of it. And so I wanted to learn, okay, how do we actually ensure what we're putting out is safe? And so I kind of took it upon myself to become the guy on the team to learn that tool. So after that, I ended up moving to another contract across the hall where, I, where it went from 70-30, so development to security, to switching that over, 70 security, 30 development. Um, did that for about a year as well. And then I moved to another position in Illinois where it was security full-time. Um, and so within those couple of years, been moving around back and forth. Eventually, I was able to work remotely because I was able to, pr- to prove my skill set Prove to my managers that they could trust me working not from the facility but from my house or from a coffee shop. Just meeting deadlines. Well, first off, (laughs) attending meetings, right? making your deadlines, proving your work, having metrics. And and for me, personally, I work better in that type of environment, Um, just being able to uh, not have to be stuck to a physical location um, at all times. I get to change it up. So, yeah. So, I've been doing that ever since uh, 2015 is when I Fully switched to software security, and I've been doing that contractually uh, ever since then. And I've and I've been jo- I've enjoyed it because there's always something to learn. There's no there's no upper echelon because there's always some new vulnerability coming out, and you have to keep your skill set up to help your business, the enterprise, and help developers understand why they may have a problem and how to fix it.
1: And if I remember correctly, um, you are now doing the management side of things too, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the contract that I'm currently on, uh, I've just been grinding, you know, two to tooth of the grindstone, and they've just seen my work, my body of work. It's spoken for itself. And eventually we got some more bodies. So they allowed me to have additional members underneath me. And so I got to train them up. So Uh, For me, it helps because they already had a development background, so it was almost like I had a template for how I started my career, and it kind of helped that they already had that playbook. So we have people that knew Python or .NET. And that's the biggest thing with security. You need to be able to talk to developers. So if you already have that language, and not to say specifically that language, but if you understand what variables are and web services, REST APIs. Then it's easier for you to communicate when we're doing these static code scans or or dynamic scans when you see a vulnerability because it tells you, hey, this area in your application, it's susceptible to this type of vulnerability. Uh, in some cases, if it's static, it'll say this is the file, this is the function, this is why it may be a problem. If you can talk the language of the developer, it's easier to break it down because uh, I've seen it where we've had, well, not my contract, but I've seen it in other positions where you have people that only know security, but they really don't know development. So that language is just broken down completely. Um, so it really helps to have members of my team that kind of have that knowledge base. So when we're having those meetings, they can easily kind of talk to the developers and they, under- and they can even see their code and say, oh, okay, I understand why the developer did this. Uh, I understand why the tool flagged it. Maybe you need to make this slight modification. So, uh, yeah, it's been really good having team members underneath me and to help educate them, to see them grow. Personally, I feel very proud of that. and And some of it is just their personality, too, because I can tell people that want to continuously learn. And those are the type of people that I love on my team. Uh, I will never say I know everything, and I, I don't like anybody that ever says that because there's always room to grow. And those are the type of team members that I enjoy. Uh, having underneath me that I enjoy to, we'll have a team meeting or a stand up the next day, and they'll be like, "Hey, after work, just on my own, I started to look at this type of vulnerability. This is really cool. I'm thinking about doing some automation." And it's just, you see the light in their eyes, you see that passion, and when you have that, you have a really solid team, in my opinion.
1: You know, that's that's one of the things that we talked about a little bit before the recording. Uh, we started recording here was. The idea of just being passionate about the work that you're putting in, and you know that's that's something that I learned a long time ago with uh, just doing the community stuff, doing the uh, pit stuff. Which I mean, you've been a you've been a member of the pit community for like almost two years now. It's, it's crazy right. how long I've known you, and and just seeing you go from the guy that's like meeting after meeting after meeting, and then just having that passion yourself to want to learn how to write the code and make things happen. And now you're going into a position to where you're seeking out people with that same passion and training them up uh, just so that they can continue the progress that that you've been making. But it allows you to develop your management skills, which I've I've spoken with plenty of developers turned senior level developers turned developer managers, and and man, you know it's. It's kinda of like you, you have a you have a little bit of a military background too. So like you understand the, the concept of like you have those working senior enlisted officers and then you have those like administrative senior enlisted officers and and kind of that different path. And I think that was one of the things that I had always known about myself was I never wanted to be that person that was just doing admin work or just okay. doing management. I wanted to be the person that was like I'm leading the team, but we're out in the field making things happen, and and it's interesting to see someone be able to balance both sides of that, and that's something that I, I think a lot of uh, developers, especially senior-level developers, they struggle with. They either go from, you know, I forget all the code that I ever wrote, and now I'm just a, a people manager, or... I am supposed to be managing people but I can't take my hands out of the code and that tends to cause issues elsewhere.
0: No, definitely. I completely agree with that. That's usually that's usually how it goes, right? It's like you're you're a developer, right? You're doing what you love. You love it and then eventually you get moved out of development. Right, And for me, it was a choice to move to security, Uh, but even I see that in just regular day-to-day that you have that senior uh, developer and then, oh, we need a position to be uh, filled, and now that person moves out of that role. And also because uh, how agile is working and everybody's moving so fast, that person, not only does he move out of that role, but he takes his knowledge with him. Um, because you don't have those people underneath because uh, the business is moving so fast. People are moving in and out of projects. So that's definitely a problem that I do see. Uh, for me personally, I still try to do development in my own personal life. And it works for me because I'm not doing it nine to five anymore. So it's it, it becomes a passion project. So if I want to try to work on a website or if I want to just learn how to do Python gaming or something like that, it's not that oh, we have a project that we have to build to that's never going to be 40 hours hours for this week. It's that I get to, hey, if I have time, let me do this. And it's fresh. It's on my mind. And so it's it's almost up to me to keep my skill set alive. And if something comes from that, as far as a side project, it's completely all mine. But that is one of the problems that I did have, at least when I was a full-time developer. Uh, A, scope creep. And B, uh, moving moving that knowledge base away from their passion uh, because you have to ha- you have to pos- fill the position so, yeah.
1: so uh, I've talked about this uh, book several times over the two years of this podcast How to be everything by Emily Wapnick. Um, if, if you've not read it and actually what's funny is I remember having conversations with you Trey and just being like I need to send this book to you because you've got like this perfect, like mentality uh, if you look at my email signature it says uh, productivity coach and head multipotentialite and and I own that phrase because of that book like that book got me open to the idea of saying it's okay to claim the things that you do outside of your nine to five outside of that title because a lot of that defines who you are like Einstein worked in a patent office you know before he was you know a, a a major scientist and, and contributed all these things. And we tend to forget that, that like, just because we're a security analyst by day. And I think this is a good segue. We, we can then turn to, you know, all right, after five o'clock, Trey Island no longer exists. And now it's Dr. Trey. And, and let's talk about that. What, what became the reason for wanting to not only do, security and like doing the security analyst stuff, but then also get into professional wrestling.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that was a very good segue. Well played. <laughs> um, no, I've always been a fan of pro wrestling because it's,
1: it's stories come to life. And favorite, always... favorite wrestler. Go.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, right. Uh, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, got I have to say Shawn Michaels. I have to say Shawn Michaels. Uh, awesome. Heartbreak
1: kid. Okay. okay. Heart,
0: heartbreak kid. Shawn <laughs> my- uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's because it's, I mean, wrestling is comic books come to life it's those stories and and even other type of stories it's like you you have this narrative that these characters or these actors these people they're putting on with their bodies and you know even with uh pre-tapes and footage and if you follow that you can kind of see how this story evolves you can see how how characters change over the course of a lifetime right and you can see how people's skill sets improve as well and so for me i've always been a fan of wrestling. It's something me and my father used to watch uh, back in the day. He used to love it. Ric Flair, uh, Randy Savage, uh, Hulk Hogan, all those guys, uh, Brutus of Beefcake, all those. And it was just something that's always stuck with me, those type of stories. And so just life does happen. There's a couple of times that I, tr- I wanted to do it or I tried to do it, But uh, I got I was in the military at one point, got called overseas, so couldn't do it then. And then I wanted to get back in college. And so just life happens. Uh, But, you know, eventually things kind of worked out. And when we me and my wife, we moved to Denver, it was probably the second weekend we were here. There was a pro wrestling show literally right outside of our apartment because we're in downtown Denver. And I was like, what? And I went and saw it, and it just—I was like, "Oh my god!" And I didn't know that Denver or Colorado, in general, uh, just happens to be a hotbed for independent wrestling. So, long story short, I ended up trying out with Mer- uh, Mercury Pro Wrestling Academy. And fast forward a couple of years—about uh, a year and a half—I'm, um, I'm, you know, I'm having matches now, right? And it's Rocky Mountain Pro is the actual organization, and so I'm learning how those those uh, in-ring skills, I'm learning the footwork, I'm learning to communicate, I'm learning not to, to go so fast to just hit, hit each move. It is a dance. It really is. And so it's learning how to not only use your body but use the audience, work the camera. And it's bringing all of these things together because um, if I wasn't going to be in security or do any type of programming, I was going to actually go into acting because I did do a little bit in community college. And I enjoyed it. So it's almost like bringing it together. Um, so you have that theatrical component. You have the physical component. And now with the whole, and we're I know we're going to get into it with the streaming, it's almost bringing all of my skill sets together in one house and allowing me to expand that. Because this passion, wrestling isn't just wrestling that people see in the ring. There's everything that happens behind the scenes too. And uh, once we get into the um, the streaming stuff, I will tell you how I kind of got my first itch into even wanting to do anything with video but yeah just there's there's so many things you can do storyline wise with wrestling that's why it's always reached out to me and when i finally had a chance to do it and i did talk to my wife because she was like i did not bear professional wrestler." i was like i know <laughs> but she did support me and that's that's the biggest thing that i can say she believes in me so much i don't know why but, um, yeah, I just went for it. And now, like I said, about a year and a half, two years later, I'm still doing it and we're continuing to grow.
1: You know, I, I remember the first couple of times you're like sending me links and stuff and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I know a professional wrestler and like, I'm going to watch him. And then like, I think I was like going through clips. And I was like, I didn't see you. And you're like, oh yeah, dude, they needed a security guy. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like how does that work <laughs> like but yes so you're talking about knowing the different roles like it isn't especially when you're at the you know the WWE has this this huge i guess television monopoly on wrestling but you know the the wrestling scene has not always been you know the the multi pyrotechnics and things like that i mean even if you go a few miles south of you know where I live in San Diego, you go to like Tijuana where they have you know luchador wrestling and and that's just amazing to see that and it's always been like that. It's always been like this this tradition and like you said, it's a dance of of people who enjoy not necessarily beating the snot out of each other because that's what people tend to think and and you know you do hear of some of these these I guess uh, darker stories where. A lot of the effects over time have caused some mental issues and mental instability. But more than anything, you have this huge, you know, array of people who wanted to act or wanted to put on a show for people. And they just happened to have the physique that allowed them to take a beating, you know, every once in a while. So wrestling was this this just natural transition for them
0: exactly right and there's there's this this uh camaraderie in the not only in the locker room that you're like with mercury pro wrestling academy but just as you travel because we're we're, we're not just normal stable people you know like we're going out in our, our tights and or whatever and we have these costumes and designs and we're putting our bodies on the line because we en- we enjoy doing this we enjoy seeing the looks you're a good guy or a bad guy. You're invoking this reaction. And so that's why it's, it's it's multifaceted wrestling is. There's just so many different things that are happening. So, yeah, I did start off as a security guard, but that was my role at the time. That's, you know, you had that because sometimes you can have an unruly crowd. So you do need to have people around just to make sure, you know, people aren't belligerent or they're not trying to actually get into the ring. But that was my role at the time. And I was completely fine with that because you're still learning. Um, I do remember like the first couple of nights I was, a, I was a, a security guard. I was out there because I could still see the matches. What I would do is I would just look at people's feet because that's very important, how you actually move in the ring. You can tell if people are stumbling around. And so I didn't look at the, anything above their feet. I would just watch, and I was like the footwork, and I was like, okay, this makes sense. And so there's so many things to learn in so many different areas, even when you're not actually in that ring.
1: And, and we can use that to to transition into this last thing this is something that you're you're still actively learning but but jumping into with the the streaming and and doing video and audio production where where did that come out of because I, I know you mentioned earlier that you wanted to be in you you were talking about doing theater and wanting to be an actor and and really streaming is that it is like I think it's so funny I listened to uh I, 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 I'm i not a vlog person, I don't like follow people that do vlogs, but there are some internet personalities that I do enjoy watching, and they've even mentioned like, okay, look, you're getting like a five-minute snippet of, of a certain character that I'm portraying. You know, the, the person that's me on camera is not necessarily the person... That I am when the camera's off and that's not a negative thing. That's just it's it is what it is And and that's one of the things that i've had to figure out and i'm i'm sorry m- Most people are used to the super excited like hey, man, everybody what's going on? Like I, right now i'm sick <laughs> Like i've been <laughs> packing up along. I had to take the day off Like I am trying not to cough as loud as I can um and because of that I'm i'm a little bit more reserved but I've had people that have listened to certain episodes of this podcast and say, like, hey, man, what was up with, you know, episode 24? You, you sounded a little off. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I had like a head cold. And it, it's hard. Like the best actors are able to work outside of that. Like, have you uh, you've heard of the Indiana Jones story, right?
0: Uh, oh, yeah, with the uh, when the guy's doing the swords and then he,
1: uh, Harrison Ford shoots him. because yeah. he's just tired. <laughs> exactly. Like you have this, th- that's the idea that, that streaming has. But I'm going to let you explain it a little bit more. Talk about how you got into the streaming game.
0: Sure, no problem. Um, so yeah, so I will say like I've always kind of had an, an itch for or, or respect <laughs> for acting. It's something I did just very partially when I was in uh, community college um, when I was just trying to find myself. I was in just a very few small plays. I wish I had the videotapes. Look at looking back, right? Fifty, you know, the vision. But
1: um, I-, I wish you yeah. had them too, so I could. Uh, they could find their way onto YouTube sometime. <laughs> right? I'm sure with our internet watch, it's going to pop up somewhere like oh, a decade you know, well, <laughs> it, It's probably on there. If, if, I were, if I were serious enough about this, I would, I would probably do some sleuthing, and I'm sure I would find <laughs> something, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a break this time. No problem.
0: But no, um, but yeah, uh, so what happened was the Rocky Mountain Pro, the wrestling organization that I'm with here in uh, Denver, Colorado, they became an official partner with Twitch. Uh, Twitch is an online streaming service for, it mostly started off as a video game streaming service, right? So people are playing their games, you're watching them, commenting. That's how it started, but it slowly started to uh, grow Beyond that, because people started to see the capabilities of doing live streaming and having that interaction, Um, so yeah, so now it allows you to basically, you know, just have a show on there because they have different categories, right? They have like in real life talk shows, and now they added a category for wrestling. Twitch wanted to bring in wrestling fans to beef up their platform to add additional content that people may have wanted, but it wasn't there originally. So they partnered with Rocky Mountain Pro. And so each one of our live shows goes on Twitch. Um, and that's how it kind of started that conversation. So we were like, okay, let's go into it full bore. Let's figure out how to, how to make this work. And I was like, you know what? This sounds awesome. I want to figure out how, how, how is this done? Like, right? What do we need? And all that type of stuff. And then I just slowly just started to see the things that I already had. I watched a couple of Twitch shows, even YouTube as well, and tried to see, okay, what are people using to put on their shows like, what's needed? And so very simple webcams are the first things. a, a decent mic, because webcam mics are garbage. <laughs> and just little things. and I was trying to figure out if I actually wanted to do this, even on my own show, which I do do, which I do what's the bare minimum that I need to not get in my way? Um, And so that's what started to happen. So I just got these things. I got like three different webcams. Um, I got a condenser microphone. I also got a blue Yeti microphone. Um, And then, I just started helping Rocky Mountain Pro put on um, their shows. So there's two there's two facets to this. So we have our regular wrestling shows, which we put onto Twitch. Um, sometimes we get on the front page, which is awesome. We get a lot of viewers. and um, So we just put on our show, and people can actually watch that live. They can comment on our live, interact with our commentary team. Sometimes our wrestler will be on the broadcast. So it kind of makes it more personal because when you comment, we we uh we talk about it, you know. We say, "Hey, thank you for coming in. Thank you for your cheers." So it makes it more personal with the people watching, but also because um, we want to get additional content, we have wrestlers that have their own unique shows as well. Um, so for me, it's wrestling with tech because I'm trying to bridge both of those passions together my wrestling career as well as the things that I like uh, anything technology based whether it be security or something that I'm learning uh, such as uh, Adobe Creative Cloud Suite I'm on a whole thing right now with that um, so it's just taking those things that you like and it also allows people to see beyond the wrestler and you know so, there's, so there's some people may gravitate towards one wrestler and want to see more towards that person or th- or vice versa so by having this different content that allows people to interact. And so what I've been doing is not, ha- not only having my show, I'm helping other wrestlers put on their shows as well. And it's really allowing me to see what, even though it's low budget with webcams and things, it's allowing me to see what it takes to actually put on a show. Uh, one show that me and my wife put on together is called The Chongo Don't Show, one of our fellow wrestlers, great guy, uh, but he has like a variety show. And so what we do is we actually go to a venue. Right now we go to a local bar or or a space that we have. And so we have the host, which is Chongo, and then we have a band. Uh, uh, One person's his son. He has. We have two other members. Uh, We have a green screen backdrop. We have our microphones, and we're using a software OBS. That basically allows you. If you ever seen anything video production where you see like a video of what's a preview of what's gonna be up next, as well as what's currently playing live, that software allows you to do that. And for me, it's like it's just really cool being behind the computer and making all that happen, and 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 having all the tools to be able to do that, and investing the time, money, and energy to put on something that's just, first of all that's just fun, really. So we. We put together meeting notes. We talk about what's going to happen show-wise. We take up ideas. And then we have our time block, and we try to hit our cues. And that's me learning from what we've done with Rocky Mountain Pro, because that's what happens with a wrestling show that everybody has cues. Everybody has times, markers. You need to know what's happening, when, who's up next. And so it's taking what I've learned from that and translating that to uh, a different format, just a different show. But I, right now we're using OneNote. And so for each show, I'll make a one note. It has a template. So I'll make a template for the show that's coming up and any bullet points that we have, our run times, any links, any graphics, because we, we change the background dynamically, which makes it pretty cool with our green screen. But for me, that's, that's, that's so fun. And being able to do it with my spouse, it's brought us so much closer together. Um, it's allowed her to be creative as well because she does photography. And because we have lighting, she's always trying to make sure that the lighting's right, and it's correct. Because with green screens, you got to have the light just right or it's going to look like garbage. <laughs> and so even after our show is done, me and her, we'll probably talk about, talk about it after, for an hour afterwards when we get home. Like, hey, this worked. This, this didn't work. This is what we want to do long term. Hey, what do you think about for episode 26? So even on a low scale for me it's like we're putting together a show. It may not be like on like cable it's on you know an online network but it's it's still putting together a show and it's putting together a show with your friends and you never know where that'll go but for right now it's it's fun, it's enjoyable and we're, and we're already seeing we've done for him we've done about 24 episodes. We've already seen the difference from like episode 1 to now night and day because we're all learning and we're all growing
1: you know that's that's always one of the the things that i find to be very very uh humbling and like i've i've actually sat down with like just clients of mine um and they're like oh man but i don't have this and i don't have that and you know i don't have the the latest dji like portable osmo like gimbal camera or whatever and and I I always go back and I play the very first episode of Pit. And you can hear a very obvious audio difference. <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was doing on the editing side. I didn't know what I was doing on the recording side. I didn't know, like, I had audio bouncing all over the place. My gain was too high. There was, like, a hiss in the background. <laughs> like, it was it was so wild to hear that first conversation in comparison to some of the conversations that i do now and it's funny because people have talked like oh dude what's your what's your audio setup well right now my audio setup is all over the place but normally i'm like recording in a closet with like i always say the the studio blanket and and that's literally like a three dollar quilt that i picked up from goodwill that I nailed to the walls of my closet to dampen sound and just little, little cheap things like that that people don't ever think about can make the world of a difference. Now, I'm sure there's probably a little bit of an echo now, just because again, my office is a mess. Uh, for those that don't know, a few months ago, we had our, uh, my wife and I had our first child, and that means we had to take two offices and make them one office, and she's now back at work and you know, that means that, you know, she has the fortune of, of working from home and that means our, our office is currently two offices combined and uh, space is limited, which is actually a good thing for me because that's going to help with some of the uh, audio bouncing around because we have hardwood floors, which people will tell you never record on hardwood floors. It's like it's just a, a sound nightmare. But for me, I love I love a couple of things which you said and we'll, we'll wrap it up in that area. Uh, one it allows you to connect with your family a little bit and i think that's awesome because i i'm i'm glad that your wife decided to do the same thing of helping with the production side and not with the wrestling side cuz i feel like if if you had two wrestlers and went home oh man i i don't want to i don't want to see an argument at that point but at the same time She's getting into it and she's getting involved. And you know, you mentioned at first she was like, "Well, I'm not. I didn't marry a wrestler. You know, I married a a security analyst." And and now, like, you're able to work together in this area that that really allows you to pursue your passions, but also allows her to pursue to pursue her passions. And I think that that's something that a lot of married couples could benefit from being able to see a, a couple working together to achieve a goal. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was you it gave you a way to combine the two areas of your life that you enjoy working with technology and then working in the wrestling space and being able to say, hey, I see a need in this one area and I have all of this previous or existing knowledge from this other area, let me find a way to marry the two. Um, I I tell uh, clients all the time, there's this Japanese principle called ikigai, which, and I'm probably butchering that phrase, but (laughs) it's the idea of finding what makes you happy in life as a career. And it's the balance of what you enjoy doing what you're good at doing, what the world needs, and what they're willing to pay for. <laughs> and I thought, I was like, wow, that's a very realistic principle. But it's like when you combine all those things in the middle, that is the, the profession that would be perfect for you. And that is why a lot of uh, people in the Japanese community and the Japanese, uh, I guess, I don't want to say country, because as someone who's lived in Japan for a while, like regions are very, very diverse. But people in from japan tend to live longer lives and live more fulfilled lives and they tend to work and like they they don't they don't necessarily retire like they work and then they die and it's like oh wow he worked until he was like 94 years old and that's insane and but it's it's these people are doing what they are kind of optimized to do and it seems like you have kind of Stumbled into this position of saying, Hey, I know technology. I really like to wrestle. There was a need for someone in the wrestling space that knew technology. And now you're being able to take the things you've learned not only from technology but from wrestling and apply that into a third area of this, you know, streaming and production that allows you to do things from a very unique perspective that is now growing because of that uniqueness.
0: Definitely. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, and I'm I'm not even going to try to say the Japanese phrase that you did, but I feel like naturally that's where I've gotten. It's taken me a while to get to that point mentally, but I've started to understand that. I need to find out what makes me happy. Not just chasing the almighty dollar. That's going to come one way or another, but finding something that makes you passionate about, and I think we were talking about this earlier. And then people see that passion, then that happiness, and then the, everything kind of comes after that. And I think for the longest time it took me it, it it took me a roundabout way to find that balance. And I think I've even mentally I've been I've just been saying I need to find the balance. I need to find the balance. And I think I've finally kind of found that being able to wrestle and then do my day job, which is just nine to five. I don't work on the weekends. That's awesome. Um, and then being able to do this extra stuff with my wife with putting on the shows. And then we still talk about it and we communicate and we figure out how we can do it better. It's that balance that's been, that's, that has been that I haven't had um, in so long. And so now finally having it, like I feel like a weight's kind of lifted off my shoulders a bit because here's the thing. Uh, in wrestling, we call it a bump card. You can't wrestle forever. Not everybody can be Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. Like you can't wrestle forever. And so even if I can't, even if one day I do decide to hang it up, I think I'll still want to be around it. And being able to and and having the skill set of knowing what a production setup is. You know, maybe somebody needs somebody to help with doing production or commentary or doing Twitch live streams at another wrestling company, or maybe I can transition to that full time in the company that I'm with right now. It allows me still to be around the thing that I love, even if one day I can't be in the ring and work with my wife because she'll be taking pictures and helping with all the stuff. So it's that balance, I think, that I finally found found myself uh,
1: in that position, which is great. Hey, hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Trey Island. and. If you did, I, I have to tell you, there is a bonus part of the conversation that we release to anyone that does one of the following things. If you, A, go to our Ko-fi page, uh, just look the show notes, there should be a button there that says support productivity and tech. You click that button, it takes you to our Ko-fi page. If you go to the Ko-fi page and you donate $3 or more, This isn't like Patreon where you have to donate every single month. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. This is, if you like this single episode, if you got some inkling of value from it, $3 is all we're asking for. What that does is that guarantees us a week of our hosting. Now, granted, we've already paid for our hosting for for several months up to this point, but we don't want to have to rely on things like advertisers or other outside sources to help keep the Pit Podcast running. And I say we as we have technically grown. Productivity in Tech is no longer just a one-man show. We do have uh, quote-unquote employees, people that are helping. This is an actual business now. We do coaching and all of those different things. And if you want to learn about all of that, you can head over to ProductivityInTech.com or... If you want to learn about the team that helps make the podcast happen, you can go to j Media, which is at j and and from there you'll see all the different podcasts that we have on there. Devotaku, Ask a Brit, uh, Let's Learn Python, and some of the other podcasts that we help out, like the uh, the Talk Python to Me podcast is on our, our list of people and they've given us permission to, to definitely give them the shout out. But, by you contributing that $3. You help contribute to the growth of that company as a whole. And we can't do it without you and without your support. Um, But that's one way of of getting special access is you go to Kofi, you contribute $3, and then you will get a message from us with a link to the bonus episode. And, of course, if that wasn't enough, we want to do something even better. So you don't have to even pay to get a special copy of this. All you have to do is send us an email showing that you gave us a review on iTunes. Whether it was five-star review, four-star review, one-star review. No matter what review you give us, we will give you a copy of that bonus episode. And, and we'll even try to figure out a way to get you some other ones as well. We want to learn what our listeners like and enjoy. And on top of all of that, we want to know that we are providing the content that you want to hear <laughs> more than anything, and, and we can only do that by getting that feedback from you. So, whether it's with your dollars or with your words, you let us know. We'll reach out to you, we'll get you that free bonus episode of this podcast. Listening, you get the bonus content on top of the full length episode. And you know what's even great? If you just become a member of our community, which is 100% free, we post that content up in the Slack channel all the time. I can't guarantee you it's every single day. can't guarantee you it's every single episode. But that is another location that you can go to where if you just go to productivityintact.com, click on the Slack logo at the bottom, join that community. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, But there are people in there that are helping to become more productive every single day They're sharing tips blog posts apps All the tips and tricks Including some of these interviews as well as the bonus content And if you join up You can get access to some of that content as well Absolutely free I hope you enjoyed this conversation I know I did I'm not going to take up any more of your time We are back I am so glad that we are back And with that said, I'm Jay Miller. I hope we've been productive. This is Productivity and Tech. Signing off, we'll see you next week.